So, so here's what happens. I almost always start in mid-story. I just start in the midst of a narrative. And part of that is just to grab attention because everyone's doing something in the midst of the mix and in the middle of a story, everyone just goes, hmm? What, dear? What's going on? What's that? Thanks. Part of that I've always told myself is just to give context to the story because the story is always scripture. And so to give context. But I think if... Uh, I think if you knew me well enough, you would start to go, I get it. That's his insecurities. <laughs> because I've never finished speaking and someone said, man, that guy's a scholar. <laughs> it's never happened. I, I finished and people were like, can you spell scholar? And I'm like, <laughs> S-K-O-L-A-R. I've never finished speaking and someone's like, man, that guy's a theologian. I don't, I don't get on stage and I don't have these pithy little leadership principles. I don't have these little nuggets, these little gems. Um, but I can tell a story better than any of you. <laughs> and it is my singular one gift I have, and so I use it. But if you, if you really knew, you would realize I use it because I don't have anything else. And I, I use it because once I get a minute or two in the story, I get comfortable. I grab my narrative blanket and it gets me around and the crowd that I don't know, but every one of you is judging me and every one of you has a score system in your head. And every one of you has a, a one to 10 that you will hold up throughout the messages. And you don't do it literally, but I know it's happening. And in my narrative, I know we all love stories. And so I get you into that. And then I get comfortable enough where I can go to scripture. And that's, that's the truth about Chris Brown. And yet in this cancel culture, um, I missed this conference. Not, not last year. I missed it this year. And I had assumptions about this crowd, and I, I, I didn't even ask. I had assumptions that, man, Thrive's coming back. There's a whole lot of churches that are restarting, rebuilding, and they're all going to be in this room. And so I had a message designed for um, all the churches that were going to show up on how to, how to continue and rebuild in the midst of conflict. And last night at dinner, I asked, how many churches are here this year? And they said, one. And I go, yeah, I get it. You know, we're all one big church, one big body of God. And I said, seriously though, how many churches? And they're like, no, this, this, this drive was only open to Bayside. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> I have a whole thing for churches plan. And they're like, yeah, then no. <laughs> and no joke, I immediately did what pastors do. And I'm gonna preach on what I'm preaching on this weekend at my church, because I get paid the same. And I'm doing a thing on Romans 8 through 16 on how we're one family, but we have a lot of differences and how we got to get over our differences to be one family. And Miles McPherson got up and he did that. And Raleigh Washington got up and he did that. And they did it so much better than I could. And I'm like, that's what we needed. So I went back to a message that I had planned to do here three weeks ago that I thought that's not what I'm supposed to do. And I thought, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Our entire church has finished a year going through the book of Acts. Acts 27, and I'm going to talk about, no joke, being shipwrecked on Malta. And I didn't, I didn't bring my note sheet with me, but I still have it available. 
And so I went back through my phone to grab that note sheet on what happens when you get snake bit and what the islanders really knew. And I sat right over there, doggone it. And I watched someone Australianize that chapter. I spent a year teaching that book and she tore it up, man. And I sat here this afternoon and this evening thinking, what do I do? And I had to sit through 35 minutes of some Canadian screaming at me. And the whole time I'm like, why is he so angry? I don't get why he's so angry. And then I realized it's because his government sucks worse than ours. And so he showed up and he was just venting. And in the midst of listening to one of my dearest friends vent, man, discipleship and the need of suffering just came crashing in. But there was one scene I couldn't get out of my head today, and it was you. When my buddy Raleigh, who used to be on the board that I served under, said, if you've been hurt this year, if you've been hurt, would you just stand? And so many of you stood. And when you stood, my heart sank. because I was the one that hurt so many people this year. I hurt more people this past year than I have in 32 years of ministry combined. Combined. And, and I haven't been angry because people are angry at me. I expected that. I haven't been angry because Christians are taking different views. I expected that. I've been angry because I hurt really, really good people. And there was no way around it. I had to make decisions on COVID that were gonna hurt people. I had to make decisions on staying closed or opening that were gonna hurt people. I had to make decisions on mask or no mask that hurt people. I had to make decisions on race that were gonna hurt people. I had to make decisions on politics that were gonna hurt people. And I had one of the best creative ideas I've ever had in ministry in June. I don't understand race enough to deal with it. I don't understand race enough to handle anybody's issue, but I can look at our church and I know our people. So my wife and I just started talking, calling, meeting with so many of our black friends, just saying, how are you doing? What's your story? But secretly we were interviewing them and we picked the best three couples and we said, can you join us with some cameras in a living room? And we're gonna film your story. And in our North County, San Diego, in the six cities that we're in, 3% is the highest population of blacks of all those cities. A lot of us just didn't even have black friends to ask, how are you doing? Mm. So we're gonna start a conversation for people and we're gonna film it. And we just want to hear your story. And my wife and I got to sit in a little love seat with 
three dear couples and friends, and they just told their stories. And we have over 175 men and women in law enforcement at North Coast. For whatever reason, man, we've got tradesmen galore in law enforcement. It's a good combination to have. You, you shake a hand at North Coast, it's got calluses on it. And if you start something, it's going to be finished quick. <laughs> and I grabbed seven of my dear friends in law enforcement, five being men and women of ethnicity, and said, can we film you? They're like, yeah. And then we're going to take the best voices from night one, the best voices from night two, and then we're going to bring those together and have a conversation continuing. So we filmed part one and we started editing it and we quickly put it out there. And in the next week and a half, I started getting law enforcement and one by one, every one of them said, no way. Do you see what's happening on the streets? Do you remember? Do you remember June? Do you remember June? And some of my closest friends said, man, my family is under attack. There's no way my department will let me go on any video. And Chris, there's no way I'm showing my face on video right now. And I said, wait, you don't understand. We've already aired part one, and a lot of it was really negative about law enforcement. Your part two, and then three, we bring it together. And every single one in law enforcement said, there's no way we're going on film. But what happened was part one was out there. And 170 families that volunteer every weekend to take a bullet if need be on our campus felt like we aired something that just shot the tar out of them. So we quickly tried to retract it. And then every black family said, oh, we're causing you shame and suffering. Apparently, we're not safe to be at this church. And I go, no, no, that's not it at all. It's just, it's just, God, that was really good intention. And I got in my truck and just started driving around to small groups to apologize and just started talking to people to apologize. But the hurt was done. And the hurt continued. And the hurt continued with different sides that felt like our job was to help them win an election. And I had to say, no, our job is to win Democrats and Republicans for the kingdom, not an election. And they hated that because this election was about Christianity once and for all. And I said, I, I can't go there with you. And they were hurt. And a couple hundred families were hurt because I sacrificed their God-given First Amendment rights. And I wouldn't open the door to their family and children because of our size and our population and what was happening in North County and our four, four local hospitals that said we've closed our ERs could you do us a favor, not open your church? And I said, we have a community reputation. We're putting that ahead of our Christian feelings. And people hated that, hated it. And we don't know how many families we've lost because very few are coming back right now. So maybe all of them, maybe all of them is the answer. But it hurt. So the end of July, I came in. And my wife knew you're not doing good, and that's unusual. I'm the most optimistic guy you'll ever meet. I'm the most positive guy. I don't know what depression feels like. I don't know what stress feels like. I just, ever since God saved this wretched human being, I've learned to like myself. And I think I'm one of the coolest, nicest guys you've ever met. And I like hanging out with me. I really, really do. 
I don't care. You don't have to clap for that. That's arrogant. I don't care. But that's what God did in my life. And my wife said, uh, you're not doing good. And I said, I'm, I'm taking the kids to Mexico. And she goes, what? <laughs> like people die if they cross a border right now. That's how deadly this thing is in her opinion. And I go, um, the resorts down in Mexico are offering 75% off, all inclusive for a week. And they just said, if you buy one week, they'll give you a second week to use any time. And I called them and said, can I use it back to back? And they're like, uh, Yeah. I said, so let me get this straight. I can get two weeks at an all-inclusive resort for the price of 75% off one week? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, and we're limited to only 30% people at the resort. And I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna come. <laughs> and they're like, how many people? And I said, me and my three kids. And I don't, I don't know where my wife is. I'm gonna call you back. <laughs> so I went and told Amy, because we're on different sides of this thing, and how I just wanna hug and kiss people and... She quarantined um, packages from Amazon that came to the house. So <laughs> she's the reason the Brown family is all alive for many reasons, though. So I went and I told her, I got to get out of, I got to get out of my life. And I'm taking the kids with me. And I'd love for you to go with us. But if you don't feel safe, I understand. And she goes, excuse me? Are you really saying you'd go on a vacation without me? I said, no, babe. What I'm saying is I would much rather have a vacation with you, but I'm allowing you to choose. <laughs> I have to leave town. I've never in 52 years of my existence felt like I had to leave town. And I wish I could take you to a beach in Mexico and open up a passage that I had to open up because from the end of July on, I started to breathe differently. And, and so we're gonna, do the, we're gonna do the best we can. Um, here's what I'm gonna do. Are you guys using that table? No. I don't need your pizza, I need the table. Who's, are these? I'm gonna take these cups. Oh, this is rehearsed. <laughs> and there was a stool that went with an organ here. If it's back or around, who has? You're a stud. Thank you. And I don't know what you drink, but mine's a gin and tonic, and I don't care if you judge me. And look, at this point, I can give a rip because it's all inclusive, so it's not gonna go empty. And I'm just gonna sit with this. And I'm gonna open the scripture. And I'm gonna let the kids play in an empty pool. And I'm gonna let my wife lay out in the sun. And I'm gonna figure out why I can teach scripture with the best of them, but I can't apply it at this time in my life. So it's a big book. Where do you start? So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to a passage that has more ink in it than any other because it means I taught it well, but now I need it. And it's Psalm 73. I think I taught it in a breakout in a room right over here nine years ago for like eight of you, if it's familiar. 
<laughs> Maybe I didn't. So if it's you and me, and my gin and tonic and your diet Sprite, <laughs> I'm just gonna go, uh... hey, where are you guys from? And you're gonna go, actually, we're, we're Bayside. Are you Chris Brown? And I'm like, frick, really? Way down here in the Yucatan Peninsula. <laughs> How's it gone this year? And you're like, mm. And I'm like, can I share with you something that just in the last three days sitting on this chair has really made some sense with my life? It's, it's a guy named Asaph. And Asaph is the chief, chief worship leader for Israel, which you gotta, that's pretty cool. Like God's people in God's land, and you're the chief worship leader. That's up there. It's like high priest worship leader. And, 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 and you lead worship in a place where the ark of God, Indiana Jones has been looking for, it's still there. You're as, you're as close to the epicenter of spiritual things that you could possibly get. Not only is Asaph the chief worship leader for God's people, but he's also written 12 Psalms. So this guy is so awesome, he gets to write Bible. And in a moment of weakness and vulnerability, Asaph writes the 73rd Psalm. And he says, sure, we're going to get rid of pieces of Bible. <laughs> Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And I would say, look, don't, this isn't one of those, hey, God's good. God loves Israel. Just listen, just listen. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. I envied the arrogant and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And I go, Asaph, how you doing? And he goes, look, I know God is good. And I know God blesses people. But I'm done. I'm just done. I'm, I'm done with Christians and I'm done with Christianity and I'm done with the world we're living in. And let me tell you how I almost lost everything. Let me tell you about the day I decided to throw in the towel because I was just sick and tired of how this life was going. And I grab my gin and tonic and I lean in a little bit. You got my attention? I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the world. They don't have any struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Their pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds knows no limit. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heavens. Their tongues take possession of earth. Therefore, people are turning to them in abundance and drink up their waters. They're popular. And they say, well, how can God know? Does the Most High have any knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. They're always carefree and they increase in wealth. You know how I got to this place, man, I started looking at the world around me and I'm like, what in the world is going on? How can you get away with that? How can you say that? How can you believe that? How can you vote for that? How can you stand for that? How can you tweet that? How can you post that? And where is God in this? And why is that popularity? And how in the world do you have followers and people are buying this stuff? Whew. And 
I'm all ace. Friends call him ace for short. Ace. That was pretty heavy. You see, focusing on others are always going to depress us. I don't know if you're taking notes. I don't know. Focusing on others is always going to depress us. If I think it's important, I'll say it twice. (laughs) And I'm getting depressed, and that's leaving the distressed. And then you know what? I'm getting angry. You know why I'm getting angry? Because nothing's happening, and nothing's changing, and this is going. And now this is popularity, and now it's marching in the streets. And now I look at my own church and go, wait, wait, wait. Other Christians feel this way, and people feel this way, and you can't, and it just gets out of and I don't, can I just, can I look, I'm not an English major. I know you're like, really, you're not an English major? <laughs> Things that don't need to be clarified. I'm not a triathlon. And so here's what I'm going to get. <laughs> that was a chubby joke. It didn't need to be thrown in. I just, I'd gone a uh, minute and 70 seconds without a laugh. 70 seconds? Who counts 70 seconds? Can I just read to you the pronouns that led to depression? Listen to this. They're all circled on a beach in Mexico. Here's his perception. They, there, they, they, there, they, there, there, they, there, they, there, 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 them, they, there. 16 times, 16 times in nine verses. You're the worship leader for Israel. You play next to the ark. You're God's people in God's land. What's your problem? Oh, I know God is good. I know God blesses people. But you want to know what's going on? They, 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 them, they, 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 they're, 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 them, them, they, they, them, they, and them. And I'm like, it's going to be a while. One more. And another dive sprite for my friend Ace. Because he's on staff at Bayside. He don't drink. What? And I sat there in the chair and I circled the pronouns and I sat back. And I'm like, kid, what are you doing? Oh, Chris, what are you doing? You know what I'm doing? I'm reading and taking in more news than ever before. Why? Because I want to be informed. Why? Because I'm in leadership. Why? Because I want to make the best decisions for our people. But you know what I'm doing? I'm just drinking the poison. I'm just drinking the poison. I'm just drinking the poison. Now I'm balanced, like my friend Miles says, my neighbor down there in the South. I'm watching Fox. I'm watching CNN. And I'm watching that, that other one, <laughs> the non-biased, biased news. And just to make sure that I'm okay, I watch the BBC on most things. Because at the weekly report, I like to do a world news BBC. It's just good. And the accent's awesome. And I am watching more news. I'm consuming more than ever before. And I am sitting there after my emails and after the phone calls and after another family is hurt. And I'm watching them, they, there, them, they, there, them, they, there, them, they, there. And I can't do anything with it, but I know what I'm getting. I'm getting depressed. And in the midst of getting depressed, I'm getting distressed about life. And in the midst of distress, I'm getting angry. And I'm a guy that doesn't have an anger button. It's not because, oh, your character and the godly guy, you worked on it. Nope, I wasn't born with anger. Thank God. This personality with anger. Oh, that would be the ugly, ugly, ugly Chris. I've never seen my dad angry in his entire life. And luckily, I got that part of the gene pool. But I'm getting angry. 
Where do you go? Ace goes, let me tell you what I did then. I said, surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure. Surely in vain, I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said I would speak this, if I go ahead and give in, I would have betrayed your children, oh God. So when I tried to understand all this, it became oppressive to me. <laughs> if focusing on others depresses us and distressed us, we get angry. Focusing on self is gonna disappoint us. And that's where he goes. So then he started looking at his life. Well, well, then God, why in the world am I trying to do what's right? Why in the world am I trying to stand for what's right? Why am I keeping my way? Surely in vain I'm doing this. Surely in vain I've been going to church. I've been giving. I've been doing it. Where are you in the midst of this? And I started circling the pronouns. <laughs> and in four verses, his pronouns now read, I, my, I, my, I, 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 me. He's gone from 16 times, them, they, there, there, them, 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 there, there, they, them, 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 there, there, and they, now to 11 times. I, my, I, my, I, 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 my, I, 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 me. And he's incredibly just disappointed. And he's frustrated. And he told his wife, we gotta get out of Israel. And I'm taking the kids. I'd love for you to go with me. If you don't feel safe, I understand. But I'm going, and I'm pretty sure I know where the kids are going to go. They're 19, 17, and 16. <laughs> They're going to Mexico. Verse 17 comes to the full realization. See, we're, we're called to bring salvation to our culture. We're called to save culture. But if we're not careful, culture kills our calling. Because we will consume culture. And we have no saving grace. We have no saving mercy. We have no saving love. We have no saving peace. I don't have any saving relationship with you because I don't like you. Because you're really stupid on how you vote and how you think and what you believe and how this all happened. And I'm called to save culture, but because I'm consumed by culture, it now has killed my calling. And now I look at myself and I don't like where I'm at and I don't look where me, me, I, 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 me. And now I got this conflict in my life and this conflict even further kills my calling. And no wonder in the midst of this, I felt removed from Christ. No wonder in the midst of this, I felt like I was a little far from the spirit because the spirit of God is in my life to change me so I can love and serve others. And when I don't like loving others and when I don't want to serve them but kick them in the throat, the spirit of God isn't alive in my life. <laughs> it's kind of basic. And, and by the way, what if your point is true? Let's just take extremes. Oh, God, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is so freeing to teach at someone else's church and get to leave. <laughs> what if an extreme is true? 
What if Bill Gates and seven others invented a virus and Fauci was with them? What if the Russians did control one election and now the FBI controlled another? What if everything we've gone through this year was secretly planned by an elite group? Does that change who we are in our response as Christians today? Not a bit. Oh, it changes your heart, your mind, and everything. However, what if, what if this was just a virus, a really bad one? Not nearly as bad as they said. The regulations and deregulation are ridiculous, but it was just a virus. What if every vote was actually counted from living Americans? What if? What if? What if? What if? What if every vote was counted? What if masks did actually save a million or two people? What if all of this, does that change your response today as a Christian? No. What if either extreme was true? Does that change today our response as a follower of Christ? No, but we've allowed culture to kill our calling. And then he looks at himself and he's incredibly disappointed. Until he says, did you guys turn my clock off? That's awesome. Oh, it's up there. <laughs> it's up there. It's good. This is Angie. You're beautiful. You're amazing. Put a clock on the last speaker of a conference. That, that was my Tootsie Pop that I took away. Man, this is what happens when you're on your fourth script of the conference. Until, until I entered the sanctuary of God. <laughs> I was looking at them and look what it got me. I looked at me look at, until I looked up. <laughs> I looked at this and here's where it left me. I looked at this and here's what I'm like, until I looked up. Then I understood their final destiny. Oh, surely, oh Lord, you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly will they be destroyed, completely swept away by terrors as a dream when one awakes. So when you arise, oh Lord, you will despise them as mere fantasies. Oh, when my heart was grieved, when my spirit was embittered, when I was depressed, distressed, disappointed, I was senseless, I was ignorant, I was like a brute beast before you. I was just eating it up and eating it up and eating it up like a, like a cow who's just fattening himself for sacrifice. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you're gonna take me to glory? Whom do I have in heaven but you? And here on earth, there's nothing I desire but you. Oh, my flesh and my heart's gonna fail, but God, you're the strength of my heart. You're my portion forever. And you know what? Those who are far from you, they're gonna perish. You're gonna destroy those who are unfaithful. So as for me, So as for me, it's just good to be near God. And I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. And, I, and I'm going to go back and tell of your deeds. You, 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 your, you, 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 your.
it's a chapter of pronouns that are going to tell me where my heart is. And I sat in Mexico and said, you know what, dad, man, I'm sorry. I started counting opinions, not weighing them. I thought my battle was with culture. I started getting really disappointed. 17 years I've loved these people, 17 years I've served the church, and I make one stupid video mistake and you're gone, and 400 families walk away. But don't you understand my intent? My intent was, dang it, I hurt you. God, that hurts me. But it's done, it's done. And no matter who I've been for 17 years, you're gone. So why am I doing this? And why do I continue serving? So why in the world am I going to show up every day and keep coming back just for more people to write emails and letters and to... You need to get out of Israel. You've always been a little uneasy against the world. But for the first time in my life, I didn't like my church. And that's not their problem. That was my heart problem. I had the wrong pronouns. See, when I, I look at God, I get this eternal perspective. Why did I let Fox and CNN steal my joy and my heart? I have let temporary things rob me of the eternal. I'm a brute beast. When I see God, then I saw who I really am. When I see God, then I saw who, real, who he really is. You hold my right hand. You guide me. And in the end, he said, so as for me, it's good to be near God. I make you my refuge and I'll tell of your deeds. So in the end, it is my closeness to God. He's my security, not my party, not a government, not Fauci. He's my security. God is my security, not my bank account. Account, not my 401k. Why am I making the temporary my security? And now that I got my head straight, I can go back and tell of all your deeds. And Asaph walks back on stage. He picks up a guitar and says, church, I'm sorry. I focused on them, they, them, they, them, they, there, and it robbed me of my joy. Then I started looking at my life and said, why are we in this mess? Why are we going on? We've been faithful. If we've been faithful, why isn't God faithful? Surely in vain I'm doing all this because apparently God doesn't care. And he's like, oh, guys, the righteousness that was given by God, I turned into a self-righteousness as if I actually deserved something else from God other than his dead son. What a brute beast I was. I get heaven and I get God. Did you count the blessings of 2020 did you define blessings of 2020 by your comfort in 2020 or your closeness to God? Because if you see blessing as closeness to God, 2020 may have been the most dependent blessed year we will ever have in our life. If we count blessings as comfort, if we count it as comfort, I promise you God's not going to bless. He doesn't. And if we count blessings as comfort, can we just apologize to every third world nation for a God who must hate them? Yeah. Because if blessings is comfort, God hates Haitians. And somehow, my theology, when spoken, 
doesn't make sense. As for me, I'm gonna draw near to my God. He's my refuge, he's my blanket, he's my security. And now I got something to share. I got my heart back. I got my eternity back. And Paul ends his letter. Paul writes the wealthy community of Philippi who sponsored all of his missionary journeys at a time when persecution is breaking out and their wealth is taking a hit. And he closes a letter to his wealthiest church. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, and if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, these are the things you think about, you watch, you read, you talk, you pass on, you tweet, you post, such things as these. And I came back and said, I may lead as an ignorant leader, but I'm gonna lead out of joy. And as of August 1st, I stopped watching news. As of August, listen, as of August 1st, I just, I got off internet, I got off my Instagram as of August 1st, because even though I was posting good things, it was other people, glad your family is having a great time, why don't you open the church so we can all have a great time? I'm like, you little, oh, oh, man, 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 I'm done posting everything. And I'm like, if this is a command, then you've got to look at what are you watching? What are you reading? What is on your Facebook? What is up there? Can you run it through this? I only allow my heart and my head to see things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. If it doesn't fit this category, eternity is too long. Hell is too hot. I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this. And I tell you from August on, the number of people who disliked me grew. But I felt like the Grinch. My heart grew five sizes that day, too. And I'm like, oh, you guys hate me. Get in line. Get in line. We're going to all come back. But for now, this is what we got to do. <sighs> let, me, let me just leave you with this. What you look at is what you see. Can, that may be one of the most profound things I've ever said, and none of you wrote it down. Because maybe it is incredibly simple compared to the speakers you had. What you look at is what you see. What in the world is the Christian community feeding itself on? It's not the word of God, it's culture. And culture is killing our calling. And no wonder I'm depressed, I'm distressed, I'm getting angry, I'm frustrated, and I'm disappointed. And I needed to sit on a beach and crawl up in my dad's lap and say, Dad, I don't have a fun story for this one. I don't like my church. I don't like my church. And dad said, hey, idiot. It's, it, it's a pet name. <laughs> he said, hey, idiot. It's not your church. Look at how much you've consumed in the last three months. 
you're polluted and culture has killed your calling. And Chris, you're no good to me on stage right now. And you're no good to me in the office. And you're no good to your wife and your kids. And they see it. So you have a choice to make. It's pronouns. Lay off all the them and they's. Cut way, way down on the eyes and me's. Have a steady diet of looking up and you, oh Lord. He says, we'll get back into some great shape. I don't know if it helps for the several hundred of you and stood and probably half that that lied and sat. <laughs> You've been hurt. This is a message from a voice that hurt you. I've disappointed people my whole life. I've never intentionally hurt that many people. God, that killed us as pastors. The next pandemic, we're going to be a lot better at. But this one was a first. He is the chief worship leader of Israel. And God said, buddy, it's time for you to pick up a pen and start writing Bible again. You found your closeness. You found yourself. And you've just found your story. Welcome home, idiot. <laughs> Father, may we be a people who realize eternity is real. And we get so caught up in this culture war and game and it is killing our heart and our calling and God may we just crawl up into your lap and say I'm done dad I focus so little on you and in the midst of it I found my depression I found being distressed I've lost my heart and God may you breathe calling in life back into us May we remind ourselves there will never be a Democrat in heaven. There will never be a Republican in heaven. There won't even be Americans in heaven. There will just be those that know you. And an incredible absence of those that didn't get a chance to know you. Because I didn't like them. May you put in a passion our hearts the things you're passionate about and may you forgive us for the things that we are passionate about that you are not. And may we find our way home to a dad that says, I get it. The best of my leaders have gone through it. Welcome home. May we go home and turn off everything, everything that is not pure, is not lovely, is not excellent, is not praiseworthy. And when we turn back to you, thanks that we got to share a little spot on the beach that you brought us both to this resort just for this time so we can go back home different with you. Thanks, Dad. Amen. Well, we're going to pray for Chris. Well, we're going to pray for Chris. Oh, I'm good now. I'm good now. <laughs> Seriously, that was July. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're all praying you quit there. You come here.
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's. <laughs> okay, my hey, staff wait, wait, is wait, wait, here. Hey, That's wait, a joke. Wait, I, that was that was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> he's funny. Look at him. He's got jokes. That was a joke, kind of. Um, hey, Larry Osborne. Hey. Let's hey. pray. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Um, Lord, we're serious about this prayer. We are dead serious about this prayer. We know that Satan loves to steal, kill, and destroy. And Lord, we know that Chris would be a prime target, like every guy on this stage and everybody in this room. Yep. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bind the enemy from him in every single way, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, in every single way. Pray you would surround, and the same through his family, bind any influence of the enemy on anything, kids, wife, and everything. Same thing with his church. Pray you'd give Chris grace and guts. Pray that you would surround him with your presence. I pray that you'd surround him with your power. Pray that you would surround him with your peace. And then you would surround him with people that know him well and love him well. Surround him with support. And I pray that you would um, replace the year the locusts stole. And I pray that you would remind him, as Nehemiah of old, that even when a city is wrecked for 92 years, that God of heaven will give him success and he, his servants, will arise and build. Pray you'd surround him and protect him. We love this guy. Mm. And ask that you would bless him in Jesus' name. Mm. All God's people said. Mm.